0: And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. God wants to do an amazing thing in your life this year. I believe that. God's desire is for each and every one of you to be saved. He desires you to repent to confess your sins, and to believe in Jesus Christ. And I pray that many of you, for the first time, that that would happen. Salvation is a gift of God. It's got to come from Him. And so, me and the leaders, we've been praying for you. Um, we We went on a leader retreat this last weekend. We were praying for you there. And we're expecting to see God work mightily in your lives. We're starting a new series tonight, for the next six weeks, and we're calling it Foundations foundations because the most important part of your house is not so much the siding is not the roof but is the foundation of the house you have a weak foundation you have a weak house well there are foundational truths in scriptures that in the scriptures according to Christianity that if you do not believe or hold to your life will fall will come crumbling down jesus said there's a wise man and a foolish man the wise man builds his house on the rock. And when the storm comes and the winds come, which will come into your life? You will experience trial. You will experience suffering. You will experience temptation. And when that comes, is the foundation strong enough to withstand the storm? Or you're a fool who builds his house in the sand. We want a junior high ministry to build our beliefs upon the rock of God's work, foundations. And so we're going to look at six foundational truths in Genesis 1 through 3 over the next six weeks, okay? Let me pray, and we're going to get into the first foundation tonight. Father God, thank you so much for these students. I pray that you would do a mighty work in their lives this year. God, that they would come to see how vain and futile or how empty this world is, how empty their pursuits and pleasures are, and how fully satisfying you are, that they would find their joy in glorifying you, that they would find their hope in Christ Jesus, that they would have forgiveness and eternal life in him, that they would throw off their good works and cling to the good works of Jesus Christ, his life and his death and his resurrection from the dead, Thank you that you are a whole Christ, a whole Savior, an all-sufficient Savior. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight, we are going to look at the, at the first foundation, the first foundational doctrine called creation. Creation. You get creation wrong, your view of creation, you get all of life wrong. You get the whole Bible wrong. The question is this, why is there something Rather than nothing. You ask yourself that question. It's a rhetorical question. Where did we come from? How did we get where we are? Where are we going? What's the purpose of life? Is, it, is life all about video games, social media, candy, and entertainment? Like, is that really it? That's a terrible life. And I know that to be true. Because, social, because statistics show that people your age are the most depressed, anxious, suicidal. It's really sad. And that is a result of a foundation that they're building their life upon. And it's a result of their answer to the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Why are we, why are we here? This question is crucial to human flourishing. Depending on your answer, you will either believe in truths that lead to human flourishing, or you will believe false Falsities, false truths, or not truths at all, false statements, false doctrines that will lead to the devaluation of human or utter decay and decline. There's two different types of worldviews one that starts with God as the creator or self creation. That the world, that we are a product of evolutionary process, that we are a product of. Time plus chance equals what we have. Self-creation is what most people hold to today. They don't believe in God. So where did we come from? We just came about. Maybe it's a big bang. Maybe it was an explosion. Something like that. All these theories. But what it comes down to is people believe that either in a creator or self-creation. And there's a problem. There's a problem with believing that we come from Chance, this idea of chance. Because chance is not a thing, <laughs> it, it's not a person, it has no power, it's just an idea. And it's an absurd position, self creation is. R.C. Sproul says this In order for anything to create itself, it must be its own creator. Which means that it would have to exist before it actually existed, which means that it would have to be and not be at the same time in the same relationships. And that violates the most fundamental law of reason called the law of non-contradiction. So for us to say that we came from nothing, that is kind of absurd, right? If there's nothing, there's nothing. <laughs> Something cannot come from nothing. So what, we, what do we believe as Christians? This leaves us with one only, one, one rational alternative, And it is this, that when we see intelligent design, you are an intelligent human being. Yes, I know that you're smart, but what that means is you're complex. You're made up of all these parts, millions of cells. And think about the human eye and how it's just perfectly crafted that you could actually see. That design speaks of a designer. And that designer is God. God, the creator of heaven and earth. And so I want to dive into what the Bible teaches about creation by dividing the topic into three points or three stages. So we're going to talk about creation under three stages, okay? How many of you like theater? How many of you like theater in here? Three acts, all right? There's three stages in a play, three acts, okay? The first one is we're going to look at the good creation. Then, we're going to look at the corrupted creation. And then we're going to look at, number three, the new creation. Okay? And this tells the story of the Bible. So, first, what does the Bible teach about creation? First, let's look at the good creation. Christians confess, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, what? God. God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? So, there's three important statements there. In the beginning... Uh, there was a beginning. And then that beginning became, was actually, time was created because there was a God. In the beginning, God. And what did God do? He created. He created. This God we learned about all last year. What were some attributes of God that we learned? Some, some attributes about God. What did we learn this last year? That God is what? Infinite. He's infinite, right? He can't be limit, limited, he's boundless. Right? What else? God is. God is omnipresent. He's He's not spatially limited. Like you are here in that seat, and you're not somewhere else. But God is not limited to space. He's in all places. What else? Yep, Lily. God is holy. That's right. He is pure. He's beautiful. There's no sin in Him. What else? Gino. He is sovereign. He's over all things. Yep. He is all love and all grace. He is love, he is all grace, he's merciful, he's eternal, right? He has no beginning and he has no end. God is the creator of time. He existed outside of time. And God was perfectly content living in a perfect relationship with, him, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here's the amazing thing. God didn't have to create the world, but he freely did. It, this creation, this good creation, he did out of a free act of, of goodness and love and wisdom. See, God is not a needy God. He's not like, oh, I'm so bored in all of eternity. I'm just bored and I need creation. I need to make some people that will fill what I'm lacking. No, no, no. God did this out of his free goodness, uh, out of His out of freedom. He voluntarily did this. It wasn't because he was bored or needy. This was part of his eternal plan. When you, how many of you live in a house? Okay. So, when you look at your house, you have to say, someone created that house, right? So, before the house was built, what did, what did the designer have to do? Build the foundation. Before that, before even laying the concrete, the foundation, what needed to happen? Yeah, Jacob. Need blueprint. He needed a blueprint. That's right. And what's a blueprint? A plan. A plan. That's right. A design. So, this, is, this is right. So, God. In eternity, he made this plan, this blueprint. And this plan was all about exalting Jesus Christ and giving him a wedding gift, the bride, the church. And so God is like, I'm going to give you this people for your own possession." But you need to go and save them. I'm going to create the world and you're, going to, I'm, and you're going to save them. And Jesus is like, yes, I'm going to do that. So they had this plan. And this plan was enacted when God created the heavens and the earth. Everything in the heavens, that is the angels, all things spiritual, and the earth, the physical world, everything that we see, he created and he owns. And guess what? God created the world, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Right? There is no, when you, how many of you like Legos? How many of you have the Millennium Falcon, Lego set? Some of you do, okay. All right, in order to make the Millennium Falcon, you need what? You need Legos, right? You need material, right? Now, did God use existing material to create the world? No. That's right. He created the world out of nothing how by his word by speaking it by he just the lord said let there be light and there was light he spoke it into existence and john 1 1 makes this connection to jesus that god the father created all things through the word and who is the word it says it says this In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. That is Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So God creates the world out of nothing by his word. And then you ask the question, how come we come to Wednesday night, and JT, Pastor JT, and all these people, they always preach from the Bible. Because the same word that spoke the word in, world into existence is the same word that we have here that creates new hearts and changes lives. He creates out of nothing by his word, but for what purpose? Why did God create you? What is your purpose in life, boys? What is your purpose in life, girls? This is a question to ask yourself. Why? Why? Why are you here? Why did he create you? The answer comes from Revelation 4.11. Or sorry, uh, Romans 11.36 says this. I'm going to read it here. For from him, that is God, and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Why were we created? We were created for God's glory. God created all things for his praise, with his glory and his power. Revelation 4 Worthy are you. Worthy all the earth singing. Word. Right? We just sang, we praise. That's my voice. I sing loud. I love to sing. And so should you. We glorify him in his power to receive glory and honor and power, Revelation 4.11. We, we, he's, his glory is seen in his wisdom, Psalm 104. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Uh, the glory of his goodness towards man that he would freely create him. And so why did God create us? That we may glorify him and enjoy him. See, God existed in this perfect relationship, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect triangle of love. But guess what? God wanted you to experience the same blessedness that all three of them experience in all of eternity. And so he created the world for his glory so that you may praise him and worship him. And look at what Genesis 1.1 1, 1 says. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth Now look at verse 31. What does God say about his creation? After he creates all the things that we see, the heavens, the earth, the fish, the plants, the animals, all these things, he creates man in his own image, which we'll talk about next week. Verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. So point number one is the good creation. God created all things and it was very good. Now, why was it very good? Because God and man dwelt together in a perfect relationship. He created Adam and Eve and he gave them all to eat of all the trees of all the garden, except for one. But they enjoyed perfect communion with God. And here's the application for you. God intends to commune with you, to have a relationship with you. And the only place where you will find satisfaction, joy, hope, love, mercy, all these things, is in a perfect relationship with God. You are made to commune with Him, to worship Him, to be in a a relationship with Him. That is the, the very definition of goodness. You want joy, you want goodness, you want satisfaction. You need a relationship with God. But JT, if the world is very good, why is it filled with sickness? Why do terrible things happen? Like this last week, that that boy who many of you knew, I think his name was Ryan, is that correct? Is that his name, Ryan? Yes, um, this Monday. Yeah, Ryan, uh, who passed away, 18-year-old, who who was in theater, uh, I think he went to Guilford as well. Many of you, some of you know him. Why do things like that happen? Why is there brokenness? Why is the world? Uh, why is there wars and famines? Why is it that you can't get along with your siblings? Why do you argue with your parents? Why do you bully one another? Well, why are you mean? Why do you gossip? Why do you slander? Why is there sin? If all these things are good, what happened? And this leads to point number two, stage number two, the corrupted creation. Something happened to God's good creation. It was corrupted by sin. The world we live in is not good. It's been perverted. It's been twisted. It's been marred. It's been cursed. Adam and Eve were given a job to do. Adam said, God said, you can enjoy perfect fellowship with me. Just do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam, instead of loving God and worshiping God, glorifying God, he wanted to make himself God. He committed treason against God. He rebelled against God. He was driven by his lust. He disobeyed God. He twisted God's commands. And just like how cancer starts in one location and spreads to the whole body, because Adam's sin, sin spread to the whole world. Anyone that would be born after Adam would be corrupted by sin. Adam failed to do his job. Romans 5, 12 says that, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all people because all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are corrupt. We're not born good. We're born in sin, the Bible says. There's none good, no, not one. And so Adam rebelled against God. How so? What was the nature of his rebellion? Instead of worshiping God and glorifying Him and enjoying Him, he worshiped the creation rather than the Creator. You want to know why there's wars, famines, sicknesses, evil, wicked deeds that are done in this world, wicked deeds that you commit? It's because we fail to worship God, and instead we worship ourselves. We worship the creatures, the creation, rather than the creator. Romans 1.18 talks about this. It says, For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. Did you know that? Did you know that every single person that's ever lived knows that there's a God? Even atheists know that there's a God. Why? Because they're made in God's image. And the law of God is written on their heart. You guys have a conscience. You know right from wrong. I know that you know right from wrong. How many of you have a wallet? Alright, if your wallet was stolen, you would say, that's wrong. If I were to steal your wallet, that would be wrong. You would be upset with me. And I probably wouldn't do that because there's probably not much money in there anyway. And- I'm just joking. I wouldn't do that. Why? Let's bring it together. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. Because it's a sin against the Lord. It's not loving my neighbor. Sin corrupted all things. Therefore, guilt reigns. Have you ever felt felt the weight of guilt? You did something and you cheated on a test. You disobeyed your parents and you know... And you you felt that guilt and that shame. Mm-hmm. You 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 broke you broke the law. And there's that guilt. That's because of sin. You know we all have guilty consciences. With sin came guilt, and with sin came a curse. Do you know that God cursed <laughs> girls? That with sin came guilt, with sin came curse upon all things. When Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the ground, actually. He says, because he cursed the serpent in Genesis 3, and then he cursed the woman, he said, Because you have done this, I will multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desires shall be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. God created marriage for his good, but now there will be fractions in marriage. And because you listened to the voice of your wife, Adam, and you've eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. In pain, you shall eat of it all your days. And thorns and thistles will start to grow. And so Adam, there, he cursed the ground. All people are under a curse. Galatians 3.10 says, says this. For all people who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not obey all things written in God's word to do them. So if you fail in one portion, you've sinned against your parents, you're under a curse. Cursed are you. God curses you and I for our sin. Sin is so rampant that God, after Adam and Eve sin, that God must destroy the earth. What happens after Adam and Eve sin? They get kicked out of the garden. And then who comes next? What story comes next? Cain and Abel. And And then after Cain and Abel, God is going to judge the whole earth. And how does he do it? A flood. flood. Mm -hmm. He decreates the earth. He destroys everyone because sin is so rampant. And he restarts. (laughs) And all that was foreshadowing the day when God will punish sin. When, he, when Jesus returns and he, and he destroys wickedness. And those who do not know Jesus will be thrown into the lake of fire, into hell forever. This is the bad news. This is what sin brings about death, hell, the flood of God's wrath. And so the question is is there any hope? Is there any hope? In Marvel's Avengers of Infinity War, right, the moment Thanos snapped. His finger. It shocked the world, right? Everyone, they couldn't believe that this happened. The Avengers failed. And so we were asking the question, Adam and Eve just sinned. Did God's plan fail? Sin has corrupted everything. Was God surprised? Like, oh no, what am I going to do? Did he, like Tony Stark, need to come up with a new plan to save the world? No. God had an eternal plan from the beginning. And God's plan all along was to exalt the son. But in order for the son to be exalted, he had to do a job. He had to complete the job that Adam failed. He had to do what you and I can't do. And that is obey God's law perfectly because if you disobey God's law, you're under a curse. But Jesus comes obeying the law and he comes to save the world by renewing and restoring Paradise lost. And so we see the good creation. We see the corrupted creation. And now in Jesus Christ, He brings the new creation. The new creation. This is the good news, my friends. That God created the world through the Son, and God is now going to save the world through the Son. It's pretty awesome. And how is He going to do that? By bearing the guilt, the shame, and the curse. He's going to be exiled, forsaken by his father, just as Adam and Eve were forsaken out of the garden. And he's going to bear the curse of the law for us. What was the curse that God cursed Adam with? What, what did I read? What, was, what did he curse? I just kind of said it a few moments ago. Something's going to grow. Thorns. Thorns and thistles, right? In pain and sweat. There's going to be pain, sweat. There's going to be suffering now because of your sin. What was Jesus wearing on his head when he died on the cross? Thorns. Thorns. You know what that's signifying? Jesus is taking the curse for you. He's taking the curse for you. Because he loves you. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, the good news, the new creation might come to all people. Jesus brings in a new creation by bearing the flood of God's wrath upon himself. And he defeats Satan. He destroys his works. He destroys death. How? By rising from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead and now he calls all people to believe in him. And the moment you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, to forgive you of your sins, you know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, believing in him, he is a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus brings about the new creation. How? How? We were dead in sin. How does he make us alive? By sending the Holy Spirit who changes us from the inside out. Did you know that God has already started this new creation? Every time you come on a Wednesday night and especially every time you come on Sunday and you see people taking communion, the Lord's Supper, what you are witnessing is the new creation. You're witnessing hundreds of people whose lives have been changed from the inside out, who went from death to life, who went from curse, curses to blessings, who went from corruption to cleanliness, who went from treason to honoring and serving the king, who went from hopelessness to hope, Joylessness to joy, death to life. Jesus conquers death and brings about this new creation. But you say, Well, JT, how come there's still sin in this world? Has Jesus really defeated the power of sin? Yes, but he has not eradicated it all. He hasn't removed it all yet. But he will when he comes. And when he comes, He will bring the new heavens and the new earth. And all that have trusted in Jesus Christ will experience for all of eternity what is called the new heavens and the new earth. And all who reject God will be sentenced to eternal punishment in hell forever. Where there is eternal uh, torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who will save you from that hell? Only one person, Jesus Christ. Your good works can't do it. Your, your, good, your video games can't do it. Your sports can't do it. Your good grades can't do it. Your parents cannot plead with God enough for you to be saved. You must believe in Jesus Christ. Turn with me. We started in Romans or Genesis chapter 1. Now we're going to go to the very end of the Bible. To Revelation 21. The whole story of the Bible is about creation going from good to bad to new. And here we have a picture of that glorious day when all those who have believed in Jesus will experience eternal life with God. And I just want you to hear this as we read it. And I want you to ask the question, will I experience the new heavens and new earth? Revelation 21. Ask yourself, will I be there? And if you say yes, my question to you is, how do you know? Let's read Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that is the church as God's people coming down out of heaven from From God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We know from Ephesians 5 that the bride is the church, all believers. And so there's this wedding day and the bride is adorned for her husband. Sin is eradicated, we're made new, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. See that? Sin separated us from God. But now through Jesus Christ, God and man are dwelling again together. Just like in in Eden. Just like in the Garden of Eden. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear. Can you imagine that? That the King of Kings will come up to you. And he will wipe your tears away. He will wipe your tears away from your eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Verse six. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha. And the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That's the free gift of the gospel. The one who conquers will have this heritage and and I will be his God and he will be my son or daughter. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, those who do not believe the detestable, those who love their sin. As for murderers, those who hate their brothers in their hearts, as for sexual and moral, those who lust after women in their hearts or lust after men in their hearts, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death for all of eternity. Which is it for you, my friends? And how do you know? If you answer that question, how do you know? By saying, because I read my Bible, because I said a prayer, because I go to church, because I. If you answer in the first person, you've gone completely wrong. Your only answer is because of Him, because of He, Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. How do you know? How can you be sure? Look to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. Trust in Him. And I promise you will make all things new. I do not want you in the lake of fire for all of eternity. I want you in heaven with me. I want your tears to be wiped away with me. With all of our leaders. And if tonight you are doubting your salvation, tonight is the night of salvation. Do not go home And allow Satan to sift you like wheat. To remove the seed of the gospel. To turn your heart away from the Lord. Tonight is the night of salvation for some of you. Repent. Turn from your sin. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Pray to him. Cry out to him. And enter into the new creation.